Welcome to this podcast from the God is Just Like Jesus channel. This podcast is titled Politics or Jesus? What is your life's passion? I'm going to do a quick introduction of some resources and jump right into it. Um, you can find the podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or Pandora just by searching for God is Just Like Jesus. And then you can also find us by searching for the same thing on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. And the website, of course, is GodIsJustLikeJesus.com. If you like a podcast, YouTube video, please email me at Chris at GodIsJustLikeJesus.com or Facebook me and tell me what you liked. I'd love to hear it, and that would be very encouraging for me. I'll also ask you some questions in this podcast and ask you to pause your device and really answer. I can't have a full discussion like we would do in a Zoom online discussion, but this is the best the best that we can do. So when I ask a question, really hit pause and, and answer so that um, hopefully that increases the participation on your side. And of course, on Sundays, we get a lot of one-way messages from the front, and I think we just need to uh, have two-way conversations to really dig into Jesus. Okay, if you want to do an online discussion, email me also about the Zoom get-togethers, uh, which really are discussions. And, and lastly, you can find our book, God is Just Like Jesus, on Amazon, and I'm working on book two and three. Okay, that's the introduction. So I have a simple question. Uh, I'm going to pose it three different ways. Here's the question. What do you want to give the majority of your life to? Politics or Jesus? Let me say it again a little differently. What do you want to give the majority of your thought life to? Obsessing on politics or obsessing on Jesus and his goodness, particularly his goodness? One more time. <clears throat> what do you want to give the majority of your emotions to? Politics or Jesus? What do you want your emotions to be centered on, right? So hit pause for a moment and... Just answer that. What do you want to give the majority of your life to? You're the majority of your thought life or your emotions. And of course, we want to give the majority of our thought life to our family, our spouse, our friends, our kids. But in this context of politics or Jesus, what do you think? Hit pause and just tell yourself a couple things and then come back. So I want to make a balancing statement. I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved in politics. You should do what you can. You know, research the presidential candidates, the House, the Senate, the, your governor, etc., and then vote and vote well and do your part. But after you've done what you can do, so many people are embroiled, embroiled in just the bitterness of the Republicans against the Democrats, the Democrats against the Republicans. And their lives are consumed with anger and bitterness, and they're vomiting hate on people because they're actually sick. And so my point is, let us focus on the goodness of Jesus. So the real question is, at, at your heart, Jesus says, your heart's the treasure box, right? He said, above all, you know, this is what Proverbs, what is it, 3 or 4 says, chapter 3 or 4, your heart's the treasure box, guard what goes into your heart and what stays there. So the central question is, what do you want to worship? Politics and the kingdom of this world, the kingdoms of this world, or Jesus and his kingdom? 
Now, I want to make a statement. The kingdom of God is not the same as the Republican Party. And I'm going to say it again the other way. The kingdom of God is not the same as the Democratic Party. The kingdom of God is a third entity altogether. And the kingdom should influence the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. But it is not the same as either one of those parties. The kingdom of God is its own thing that will fill the earth. So we need to know the king who has come into the earth and is coming actually to establish his kingdom on the earth and get this in the middle of all the political kingdoms of the world, right? So this is what I, I'll always talk about the transition to the next age instead of the end of the age. It's not the end, it's the transition to the next age as the kingdom of Jesus is coming and will take over the entire earth. So let me ask you another question. Given that that's true and that we need to know the king, tell me your favorite three things about Jesus. I I want you to hit pause in a minute, and I want you to just tell me, what's your three things about Jesus, um, and then come back, okay? So hit pause, say them out loud, and then come back. So I want to make a quick statement. The first thing we need to know about Jesus is the cross, right? Because he went to the cross to pay for our sins so that he actually could forgive us. He goes, I've paid, I've suffered for your sins on the cross, being tortured and killed for your sins. The the justice that is due anything evil we've ever done or thought, He goes, I've taken that on to myself and I took the punishment. That's why I can turn around to you and guarantee that you're forgiven. So that's the first thing we need to know. But let me say this, and this might be sensitive, but maybe not. Knowing about Jesus and the cross, it's not the only thing or the last thing we need to know about Jesus. That's the first thing. But we and our children and our friends, we need to know who was it that went to the cross to pay for our sins. What kind of person was Jesus? Many people will answer the question a minute ago, hey, what's your favorite three things about Jesus? That, well, uh, you know, Sunday school or the church sermon, well, Jesus went to the cross. He died for my sins. Yeah, okay, that absolutely, you've got the first step. Now, what's, give me two other things. Uh, well... Um, hmm. Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I, Jesus in the cross. That's what I got. So what I want to do is I want to help unearth the treasure trove of great emotions and character that Jesus embodied and really get him out of the context of being two dimensional, get him to be three dimensional people so they can see, oh my gosh, it was this wonderful, magnificent man who went to the cross for us and actually who lived with us as well. So we need to know the kind of person Jesus is and the kind of person that actually went to the cross because it's going to make a lot more difference to all the Christians and especially people that consider themselves, you know, I don't believe in the Christianity thing. They don't even know who Jesus is. It's actually, there's a lack of knowledge and understanding. It's actually almost a secret. We need to know the kind of person Jesus is because 
Number one, the Father God is just like him. And John 14, 9 says it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, which is God. And that is a provocative statement when you're, uh, when you're out there just talking about that. So what do you love about Jesus? Who is he? I want to give you three answers from me, and I want to add them to the ones you already came up with, all right? And I'm going to, some of these are going to be in pairs, and some of these are going to be individual statements. So, number one, what I love about Jesus is that he was so powerful that he could calm the storm on the sea in Mark 4 with a word, right? Maybe two words, silent, be still. Okay, that's three words. But he was also so tender and gentle that the little children could run to him and he actually takes them in his arms and he holds them and he prays for them. He really enjoys them. Now, note the children didn't run to the Pharisees, right? And he didn't run to the Sadducees and they're a little iffy about the disciples, right? But they ran to Jesus and that's incredible. So you combine his radical power over nature, right? It wasn't just his power to heal the sick. It wasn't his power just only, you know, over demons as well. His power um, over nature is such a stunning aspect of his power. And there's seven, eight, nine events in uh, the Gospels about his power over uh, nature. And that will really strengthen your worship, uh, meditating on those. But it's the combination of his power and his tenderness that really unleashes the fire in my chest to to worship him. So turn that into a worship statement. Delight in who he is. If you if you like those two things combined, hit pause for a moment and tell him what you like about him, what you love about him. Or if you need to put it in man language. Tell him what is awesome about him, right? Tell Jesus what's awesome about him. Hit pause and then come back and I'm going to give you mine. So in my words, you know, I'll get out on a 15-minute walk in the middle of my day at work or and that often can turn into a half an hour uh, as I connect with the Lord. But I'll just say, Lord, you know, I I actually love the fact that you have limitless power. You speak to a raging storm on Lake Galilee and squash it to protect your disciples. They are terrified. They're seasoned fishermen and they know they're going to die, right? They've, they've been fishermen since they were little. And you silence that storm as a massive training session to um, to train them to have confidence in you. And you have that kind of power. And yet, when you're all these people are around you and the little kids run to you, you throw everything aside and you get the little girl and the little boy and you take them in your arms and you just, you hold them. Because you said the, the kingdom uh, is is entered by those who are like little children. And I don't know all that that means, but we can all get something from that. And I love the combination of your power and tenderness. I would encourage you, take these events of Jesus's goodness from the gospel, search them out, and one by one, break them down into worship and speak your adoration, your amazement, your awe back to him and let your capacity to worship Jesus be greater and consume a lot of your capacity for politics. 
And again, vote, do your job, do your civic duty, research, but don't um, give your whole life to politics. Give your life to Jesus. Okay, the second thing I love. The, uh, oh, oh, and when he calms the storm, that's in Mark 4, and when the children run to him is in Luke 18, or two places. Number two, what I love about Jesus is in John 8, he protects the woman caught in adultery from the Pharisees, even though she was guilty of breaking the Ten Commandments, right? And, and just as a balancing statement again, uh, the man should have been there too. The Pharisees were hypocrites. They shouldn't have just brought the woman. They should have brought the man as well to stone them both, right? So, you know, that's the Pharisees for you. Jesus, he steps in. He actually covers her and protects her. And it says they were caught in the very act of having sex with one another. Like, wow, that's like either a setup or who knows what, but that's crazy, invasive, and whatnot, but that's what the Pharisees did, and they thought they had Jesus um, <clears throat> by the short hairs, as it were, and how's he going to get out of this one? They expected, you know, you know, have to uphold the law, but Jesus doesn't condemn her. He does challenge her on her sin at the end. He goes, go and sin no more at the end, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't get loose and fast with the commandments. That was sin. But he protects her from being stoned. And I love that because she's guilty and he still protects her. Um, and one of the things I love about that is, aren't we all guilty, right? No matter how much we grow in the commandments and God's goodness, we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to wrestle with some aspect of anger or judgment, talking about politics and having attitudes and judging others and condemning them, bitterness. Um, we'll all wrestle with different aspects of lust, lusting over material possessions, BMWs, plush rug, rug, you know, kitchen cabinets or somebody's body sexually. We're never going to be perfect. And I love the fact for those that are responding to him like the disciples. Now, the Pharisees weren't responding. They were trying to kill him and murder him. But for those that are followers of Jesus... He's going to protect us in the middle of our sin while we're growing. And yes, we need to own it and repent, but he protected her before she was even repentant. And that's awesome because he wants her going to heaven. So turn that into worship. Take a moment, hit pause in just a moment and convert that whole thing in John 8 into worship. Okay. In your own words, hit pause, tell him something you like about him or it's awesome. Okay. Come and then come back. So, I, I mean, I did, again, I'll take that out uh, on, a, on an afternoon walk uh, in the middle of work just to get my mind in a better place. And I'd be like, Lord, oh, I've got so much work to do. I don't know how to solve the problems I'm faced with. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed, whatever. But if I take 15 minutes out or half an hour and I just put my heart on who he is, I come back to work and my emotions are in an entirely different place because I focused on him. And I will take that passion. I'm like, Lord, I love the fact that she was guilty and you protected her. You care about her. And you care, and that means you care about me when I'm not perfect and I have sins. I mean, that is everything to me. And uh, Lord, I ask you to protect me and then help me repent also from the evil thoughts I have, the evil actions, the sinful things, and help me grow in your goodness. 
And um, I delight that you protected her and you didn't compromise on what was good or evil, but you upheld it in a way that cared for this woman and, and cares for people. And you're amazing to me, Lord. So you don't have to use my words. You, you just giving your heart to him in worship uh, rather than being obsessed with the kingdoms of this world. Oh my gosh, it's such a better way to live. Okay, number three, and then we're going to be done. Um, the, other th- the third thing I love about it is, is that Jesus doesn't reject or condemn. Again, condemnation is such a big feeling and problem for Christians and people generally out in the world being depressed. But I love the fact Jesus doesn't reject or condemn the disciples for pride and arrogance as they argue three different times about who's the greatest. You challenge them and and he challenges them and he reasons with them patiently. Uh, and then he'll bring one time he brings a little child in their midst and he presents the child and he says, look, uh, rather than arguing about who's the greatest and throwing your chest out and Peter, James and John and Matthew and Levi all trying to be the best. Um, why don't you be like this little kid and learn how to receive my power and serve with it, right? Jesus always uses power to serve and care about others. He never uses power to oppress other people like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Caesar, or our presidents, no matter which side you're on, or Putin or the, the Chinese prime minister. He never uses power like that. And he has amazing power. Um, so if you cringe a little bit thinking God might uh, react to your sin uh, with rejection or condemnation, if you think, oh, man, I just I wonder if he how he's going to react. It's a good sign that your image of God has some lacings. Uh, some some aspects of it that have more in common with the character of the devil than the character of God. And boy, that's been my story. Um, as I've grown over the 30 years of being a Christian, when I became a Christian, man, the forgiveness, the connection with Jesus by the Holy Spirit was awesome. But there was a lot of the image of God, the way I saw him, the picture of God, that actually there was, there was threads of that where the devil's character was woven through that. And I was afraid of him not accepting me, not, re, you know, rejecting me, condemning me. And, uh, I had fear that was tormenting my relationship with him because my image of God was so messed up. It's not perfect now, but man, it's way better than it was. And I have so much more peace. And I do these podcasts so that people would live free of condemnation because they know who Jesus is. And that he's uh, committed to him. So wouldn't you rather your image of God be 65% healthy instead of 30% healthy, right? Again, I'm not saying we're going to, anybody's going to be perfect, but man, don't you want to grow and just live in more goodness and health and joy because you know more what he's like. And, and then again, you know, the one who went to the cross for you because his goodness is clear to you. So, um, Tell him what you love about him and um, his patience, his goodness towards the disciples, pride and arrogance. So hit pause and just tell him for a minute. Do you like that about him? Uh, Is that awesome to you? Is it cool? Does it resonate with you? So hit pause and tell him what you think about how he reacts to the disciples sins about arguing who's the greatest and then come back. 
So I, ta- I take that one and I'm just like, Lord, <laughs> wow. They're, they're your, your top 12 dudes, right? They're viciously arguing about who's the greatest. And, um, and, uh, you work with them and you don't pound them. You don't scream at them. You don't yell at them. You don't have a meltdown. You draw them into understanding, patiently reasoning with them. And it's a beautiful thing. And you help them grow up into being like you. And I'm like, I love the way you deal with those who are responding to you, your followers, your disciples. It's so different than, um, than how the people of this world deal with me when I fail or sin, right? Consequences and rejection and threats at work. And you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Jesus is so different. And I love who he is and what he does. So, um, to wrap this up, what do you want to worship? Politics or Jesus? What do you want to obsess over, if I could say it that way? Or what do you want to delight in, in your treasure box, in your heart of hearts? The kingdoms of this world or Jesus? And here's an important question. What do you, what's going to be the most important thing on your deathbed that you spent 10,000 hours of your life or 100,000 on politics? Or you spent 10,000 or 100,000 hours on being amazed at Jesus's goodness and then letting that spill over in your heart to your wife, your kids, your friends, the people you don't know and generosity and kindness and truth as well coming out, but not truth being wielded by a Pharisee that's like a baseball bat to abuse people, but truth wielded like Jesus does to bring people to a place of safety and protection and provision for their good. So that's our podcast. If you liked it, email me at Chris at Gotta Just Like Jesus and visit YouTube and the other uh, the other resources. Have a good night.